everybody. That's right. Like a ghost. Hey, I am here on a Wednesday night. It's a rainy evening outside. It's not too cold, though. It's just kind of one of those spring days, spring evenings, where the rain comes, and it's just, uh, it's cool and damp, and I'm totally with it tonight. It set the mood in here. I mean, I feel great in here. This place has gotten some good care put into it lately, and last night was... Last night was amazing. It was me, Anthony, Mike, Derek, and we tore apart the band room. Tore it apart. I can't tell you the, the, the stuff that we took out of here to throw into the trash. Multiple flatbed dollies, chairs, everything. Switched the drum sets around, reconfigured the computer. Um, that's going to be wonderful. It's going to be all part of the... Just the, the, the mutually... I don't know, the, every room in this place, I want it to be just technologically interwoven. And I want it to all, um, all have a, a greater purpose. So over the course of the next couple of months, there's going to be greater things, even bigger things in this room happening. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And it just makes, it, uh, makes sitting here every night feel even better. Makes it feel even better to know that there's a, 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 a fully functional studio at my house as well. So there's that. And some, sometime by, uh, I would say, maybe late June, early July, I'm going to drop a little bit more money to officially upgrade all of the cameras in this place to match the quality of this camera. Because Derek found a way, um, just a chip that we're going to put in to make it all work. Because uh, the old computer, the broadcast computer that I just gave up and donated to the other room, that is about to be able to take on all of the, the big cameras that I wanted to do in here. So I said, all right, great. Sounds good. So we have more things to look forward to. Better and better, ladies and gents. And tonight, I, it was one of those things. It was one of those things where I wonder, what the hell am I doing with my day? Um, where I spend, you know, four, five, six hours sometimes just coordinating all of the media and all of the segments of articles and on certain topics that I want to weave together to form a, a bigger narrative and and then, you know, some questions for the audience and stuff like that. I'll spend so much time doing that. I'll get here and just something won't feel right. And I will rewrite the entire show in literally 15 minutes. I don't I don't know, but that's what I did because maybe some of you earlier on in the day you saw that we had something we had something uh, scheduled for tonight at seven o'clock and it's something about uh, the modern day Jacobin something about that well guess what mind war and the modern day Jacobin is going to be tomorrow with a first half call with Nick Shirley. I figured, you know what, all this goes better to tomorrow. It complements what I want to do tomorrow a little bit better with our first half guest and Nick. Um, I just feel better about pushing this all off. What am I going to do tonight with? Well, thankfully, I already had a few things in mind that I can go, go with. Uh, I, I do want to open up a, a hotline for anybody in Texas that is affected by these wildfires because I see it's already become the second largest wildfire in Texas state history. So anybody out there who is, is near the area, who has some, you know, uh, firsthand information and all that, I, I have a 
hotline open for you right here. It is 914-369-1236. That's wildfire hotline for anybody in Texas. And then, um, and I also want to start taking calls, just general, general opinion calls, but also I want to take calls from people who live in cities that have really invested in these drug decriminalization ideas and initiatives like Portland, Oregon. I want to talk about that because I am, you know, I, I come from a little bit, uh, a little bit more so a libertarian ANCAP perspective on drug criminalization, decriminalization. But there's something to be said about why is that just because is what we're seeing that the failure of drug decriminalization uh, experiments in places like Portland, what is that? Is that just because of our inability to I, what, what is that about? There has to be some missing story to this. Now, there's a lot of people out there say that, that people are moving into places like Portland because they're literally getting paid to do drugs. Whereas other people say that the ideal, the idealism behind the decriminalization programs in places like Portland, Oregon, was about uh, being able to get people help better and not just throwing them in jail. So that just can't be the case. Something has gone wrong along the way, and we got I want to talk about it. I just want your, your general opinion on it, because I know that we have people that probably approached this from all sides of the spectrum from it should all be decriminalized to this needs to be cracked down with the heavy hand of the law even harder than it ever was in our history i'd like to see what we got out there so that's what we're going to be doing a little bit tonight because i see that this story uh, is only getting bigger and bigger across the country as the fentanyl opioid crisis continues we see all this zombie-like footage that comes out of these big these big cities so that's what we're doing um and a little bit more in between thank you so much to our sponsors bluemonsterprep.com i i would also just like to put a little bit more emphasis on our coffee tonight um i am getting amazing emails all the time with people who just love the blend they love the roast that's just with uh from our friend Paige over there at revolution coffee or the coffee revolution it's all on, quite frankly, TV. It's the banner in front. They're on the affiliates page. But when you click through to them, you can go to the coffee and you can go to the mugs. Uh, surprisingly, but then again, not surprisingly, almost, uh, I think over half of these, the supply that we had of these mugs are already gone. And people are writing in, Frank, I love my assault mug. It is fantastic. And it's true, man. It's, uh, it's, a, really, it's a really great piece of uh, craftsmanship. And you only need one, you know? You only need one unless you drop it and it shatters on something. But I, I swear to God, if you were to drop this in your kitchen, it's going to break the linoleum, okay? This isn't going to break. The linoleum will break. So um, that's what I'm just, uh, I, I'm really happy about that. So between that, the wonderful merch section on quitefrankly.tv, um, Brought to you by Rise Attire. That's been great. Remember all the Tony Black shirts? Those are going 100% to charity. His favorite charity, St. Jude's Children Hospital. So, um, so yeah. And I also just got a text message from D John Ward that on his channel, seven minutes ago, he uploaded a 12-minute film preview of all of the um, 
all the footage that he took over here at the studio over the weekend. So in the second half, I think we're going to sit back and watch that a little bit together because I don't know what's on it, and it should be fun. So that's going to be great. And I was talking with Matt today, too, because he came by my house to swap out a couple of mouse traps downstairs because we found some bodies. Found some bodies. Oh, found some bodies. That does, that's not normal. Not for my house. Anyway, we're talking as he's, you know, we're doing stuff down there. And, uh, and I'm, I'm examining the bodies, trying to see if there's any clues who sent them and what their intentions were. And, um, and he was even saying, you know, bro, that, that movie can be big. And I'm, I, I don't put anything past John Ward. I don't put anything past the Harambe story. I don't put anything past the fact that there is going to be such a palpable energy and electricity just buzzing through the air in the middle of October of 2024. If he does get that out, which I have no doubt in my mind that he will put all of his creative powers and his resources into making that happen, and I'll help him in any way I can. It was a lot of fun shooting with him on um, on Saturday. and um, But uh, if that goes where he wanted to go on Amazon for rent and download and everything else, hell, man, I, that, that, that could be a success. It could be, especially in an independent sense, a commercial success. I wish nothing but the best for him. And also, I want to stay involved because I... I want I want to keep doing film and stuff like that. So that was great. And we'll uh we'll watch a little bit of that in the second half now. All right. Let's get into the uh, Oh, here's a, here's another one for you. Something that's relevant that's been on the show recently. I actually think John Ward is going to be out um covering some stuff at the Amos Miller um it's like a, either a rally or something that's going on tomorrow going down there to grab some footage and maybe talk to some people that are out there in, in Pennsylvania. But this is from LancasterFarming.com. Here we are. Raw milk farmer Amos Miller heads to court hearing on Thursday. That's tomorrow. So I guess that's what they're all hanging out for. Raw milk farmer Amos Miller is due in Lancaster County Court on Thursday for a hearing on the continuance of an injunction against him. The Pennsylvania AG Department and Attorney General's Office say they ultimately want the court to stop Miller from selling raw milk and dairy products without permits, selling raw milk across state lines, and dodging milk testing requirements. Miller's attorney says he does not need permits and the state is overreaching. Their defense is both technical and broad resting on the wording of Pennsylvania laws as well as constitutional protections. The AG department uh, searched Miller's organic farm in bird in hand on January 4th after a child in Michigan and another state were sickened by E. coli believed to be from the, fr uh, the farm's raw dairy products. I'd love to get a little bit more information on that situation. Initial testing found listeria, Another foodborne pathogen in bulk tanks, packaged raw milk and eggnog, the attorney general's office said it notified Miller on January 16th. Miller's attorney, Bradford Sear and Robert Barnes, Robert Barnes says the farmer discovered a problem with the third party provider and immediately dropped that vendor. They also said the state withheld tests that didn't show food safety concerns until close to the hearing and argued the state misled the court when pursuing the search warrant. So we're going to be looking, we'll, we'll be waiting for a little bit of that. I'm sure that Jay, 
Um, Gulinello is going to stay on top of all of those details. I think that Jay Gulinello is coming back on the show on March 28th, so about a month from today. And if something big happens before then, he can always just call in. But on March 28th, I, I, I definitely want to do a full history of pasteurization, dairy, all that stuff. And um, But I think on the 28th, we're going to be jumping into rife technology, resonant healing technology, um, a little bit like a little bit of that, just expanding on what we were talking about with Matt Reif about a week or so ago. But this is happening, and I'm sure it's going to make news tomorrow for all those who are looking for it. Very important news, too. All right, let's see here. Headline on the New York Post. Google, Google parent loses $70 billion in market value after woke AI chatbot disaster. Is it a disaster if they just did exactly what they wanted? I guess the backlash could be a disaster. But uh, Google's parent company lost more than $70 billion in market value in a so single trading day after its woke chatbot bizarre image debacle stoked renewed fears among investors about its heavily promoted AI tool. Shares of Alphabet sank 4.4% to close at $138.75 in the week's first day of trading on Monday. Google's parent stock moved slightly higher in pre-market trading on Tuesday. The massive hit came after Google was forced to pause its Gemini chatbot's image creation tool, which was churning out factually, <laughs> factually and historically inaccurate images such as black Vikings, female NHL players, diverse versions of American founding fathers, and even an Asian woman dressed in Nazi-era <laughs> Nazi German soldiers' uniform. That's right. The Asian woman Nazis. That, that's how that's how important it is to have everything diverse. You know, that, that that see that that would be considered a backlash or a disaster for a leftist who's in control of of stuff like this, because, of course, they only want the bad guys in history to be white. You know, they don't want to make that diverse. Right. So uh, they, they don't care about slipping in this, uh, everything you see on Netflix and uh, Amazon or whatever the hell the these original series that they're producing over there. Uh, so many of them are set. They're like period pieces from like the Victorian age and and all that other stuff. And there's, you know, just black aristocrats all over the place hanging out with all of the uh, the pearly white aristocrats. And it, they're all falling in love and interracial uh, relationships. Which, of course, you know, it, it's it's just ridiculous in its projection. I don't care about two people fall, falling in love and starting a family if they're not of the same race that's, you know, or ethnic background. But it, it's just as far as what the mechanism, what the machine churns out, uh, it, you know, it makes perfect sense that AI is doing it. it, it might, the AI might just be writing all of these new Netflix series, too. It's, uh, it's just a reflection of everything else we see. Um, what else? So there you go. There's a little bit of a uh, little bit of funny follow up on that one. Uh, it, but as far as AI goes, there's this is starting to pop up a little bit more from the Midwesterner Beverly Hills middle schoolers circulate AI generated nudes of their classmates. So 
of course, the children are probably going to know how to do this stuff much faster than everybody else and learn how to do it than everybody else. I know, anybody I know that goes and fiddles with AI-generated images and they try to make, you know, they try to prompt the, the machine to do stuff, uh, every time they try to go and do stuff, they're, they're told you can't do that. You can't do that. That's not, uh, that's not allowed. It's against our terms of services and all that stuff obviously people who are making ai porn right now are using like off you know, something a little bit more personal personalized something a little bit more i don't know what but it's not some public use generator that's for sure because i don't know anything I, i'm just starting to use some ai tools to clip to clip uh highlights from shows which is very exciting very exciting um it's incredible. It's really, really incredible. But nude images of, of middle school students created by classmates using artificial intelligence are rolling the Beverly Hills School District, the latest in an emergency trend that's prompting calls for legislation. Now, this is going to be interesting because, as you know, I think it is illegal, is a felony to even engage in the creation of art or anything any kind of image or or likeness that even uh um that shows the depiction of underage children engaged in any kind of sexual activity or anything like that so it's not even just about getting expelled from school and having there be civil cases there too i wonder um what kind of charges are going to be levied as far as child porn goes once these kids are, you know, they're all going to know how to do this by next year. Everybody. Second graders are going to know how to use AI better than you are by next year. It's crazy. So that's already starting to happen, which is not surprising. On the Ukraine front, I just one real quick thing over there. This is from Newsweek. We get a lot of this stuff. Ukraine's front line is collapsing. And it's always been collapsing. And it doesn't do, it doesn't start. But you know, the one thing I do see in here is that they continue. Now they're starting to push and uh, circulate this 31,000 Ukrainians number again. Over here this week, Zelensky revealed for the first time Kiev's official figure of losses, saying that 31,000 Ukrainian troops have been killed, although other Western estimates put the tally much higher. So at least Newsweek is willing to buffer that claim just a little bit more it's just nutty i i don't know um it's just nutty to see that that they're actually running with that number guys you you, you remember in 2008 you remember in 2008 now i was just starting to wake up to things in 2008 and ask questions and pay attention to what's going on especially since there's this the news of a major uh housing collapse a financial crisis that was starting to brew at the end of the the bush era um, and we're talking about bailouts, bailouts, and everybody's up in, up in arms. You know, they don't want to bail out. They also don't want to go through a major depression. It was crazy. And George Bush and his Goldman Sachs Treasury uh, Secretary, Hank Paulson, they started to hit the gas on what would become a $700 billion bailout buying all buy, buying bad debt and you know overseeing bank mergers and trying to hold cobble this thing together and hold it all together and, and when you think about it 700 billion dollars is peanuts compared to today's standards but 
anyway, I had to go and find the quote on this because I remember just like social distancing and all that other shit, there was nothing scientific about it. So I found this one clip. Here it was. When a, when a reporter for Forbes magazine asked a Treasury spokesman last week why Congress, this is back in 2008, why Congress had to lay out $700 billion, the answer came back, quote, it is not based on any particular data point. We just wanted to choose a really large number, end quote. And that is how scientific the theft of billions of dollars is, hundreds of billions of dollars is, and no one still has gone to jail 20 years later, nearly 20 years later. Still no one's gone to jail. Nobody will. So I guess it doesn't surprise me that they would pick an arbitrarily low death count, you know, on the opposite side of things, an arbitrarily low death count to continue marching toward whatever end game has been laid out for us over there in Ukraine. But um, anyhow, that's all I have for you in the opening. Let's start this intro. And I want to get into, uh, I want to open up the lines for Texas. And I also want to open up the lines for people who are in drug decriminalization zones. I want to know what your experiences are, the good, the bad, the ugly, and just general thoughts, no matter where you are in the country, general thoughts on what has been done, what needs to be done, and what will never work. All right. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, you know what I'm going to say real quick? Um, we have these these wonderful stickers in now. And here's what I'm going to say until I figure out another way to like distribute them to people who are... I definitely want to get them out to people who send in super uh, like uh, PayPals. Because at least with the PayPals, you can send in the message a, uh, a mailing address. But what I will say for this is... We are making headway with our 2024 funding goals. 
which will open up a whole mess of amazing things for us, including the ability to reopen the show for two hours across all platforms. Um, except for YouTube on certain nights where there is very, very sensitive material there. If we're going to play the survival game on YouTube for any, uh, any extended period of time, then I'm always going to have to practice discernment with what we talk about. So there might be still be nights that we have to jump off of YouTube, but we'll be on everywhere else. Still, anybody who signs up for Subscribestar, for as, for as little as $5 a month on Subscribestar, I'm going to not only welcome you the way I usually do, I'll send you a direct message, but I'll also ask for your mailing address, and we're going to send you a nice little uh, pile of stickers. And for those of you out there who travel a lot and you want to, you want to put stickers all over the place, you get in touch with me. Get in touch with me, or send a send a, a, a PayPal tip and put your your address in there. I'll send them to you. I want to see these. I'm, I don't care about making a uh, profit off of any of it. This stuff I'll probably always take a loss on, and I don't care because I want to see these stickers on rest stops. I want to see them in rock club bathrooms. I want to see them on on street lamps in Amsterdam. I want to see them in bathhouses in San Francisco. Let's get these stickers out there. So um, there's that. Become a sponsor on Quite Frankly Subscribe Star. All those links are on the Sponsor Us page on quitefrankly.tv. All right, here's another thing I wanted to throw out there before we get into our two main topics. This is a, a new Netflix documentary series that I've been talking with Frank and Jim Zell about. And I got to watch it. He uncovered a rogue CIA conspiracy, then he was found dead. Netflix has just done a series on Danny Casolaro and the octopus. Um, th this, is, this is huge because, of course, I'm whenever Netflix puts something out, whether it be uh, Michael Jackson to Jeffrey Epstein or anything like that, I always just you know roll my eyes and let them have their fun. But uh, there there have been some things that they've done really great. Fear City, we talked about that on the show. Uh, they did the the Sons of Sam really really well, and Frank Ze uh, Frank Zell has already watched the entire the entirety of this Netflix documentary on Danny Casolaro, which we did. You remember we did this broadcast? I think it was last year. Probably last spring or something like that. Me, Frank, and uh, and Jim, we did this entire thing on on uh, Danny Casolaro and that um, that whole story of the octopus. So th this is going to be pretty great. I'm going to make sure that I really sit down and get through it all, take some notes, and then I'll bring Frank and Jim on and we'll do a little bit of a a review because I don't have any. I don't think I have any guests on next week. It's the first week in March. I don't think I have another scheduled guest on until March 6th, and that's Megan Fox. She's coming back to do some some court reporting. But just putting it out there that um, I'm going to be watching that soon, and we'll be talking about it. So if you want to be hip on what's in there and you have some questions that you want to bring up that night, then please, by all means, go and check that one out. I will. All right, here's another thing. The wildfire right now grows into one of the largest in Texas history as flames menace multiple small towns. Cluster of wildfires scorched the Texas panhandle on Wednesday, including a blaze that grew into one of the largest in state history 
as flames move with alarming speed and blacken the landscape across a vast stretch of small towns and cattle ranches. And I heard that the panhandle is a huge, um, is a is a huge part of of agriculture in Texas. I I just tend to I don't know too much about any state other than mine. And even that, what what can I tell you about about New York, um, other than where I live? But from what I learned today, so much of the agriculture that is um, that is conducted in 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 Texas is over there in that panhandle. I didn't know that. I thought it was like kind of like spread out and all. But you know, um, you learn things along the way. So if you are in the area, if you're out there, if you know anybody that's responded to it, you, anything you want to share about it, I have the hotline set up. Nine one four. Three six nine one two three six. So write that one down. I'll leave that open for a little bit. And then we're going to get into this topic now. Here it is. How Oregon, this is from The Guardian. Okay. This is from The Guardian uh, not too long ago. Maybe about a week ago. How Oregon turned on its own trailblazing drug law. Not the utopia we were promised. Holding his five-month-old daughter, Danny Schlabach, sways gently on his feet in their their small room at a youth shelter in Eugene, Oregon. Housing has uh, been a constant challenge in his life, given his history with drugs, addiction, and arrest, and his troubled relationship with his daughter's mom, and he marvels at his luck in finding a place to live that's safe, free, and comfortable. I never want to live in a car with my kid, he says, but I've seen how it happens. The shelter where Schlabach and his daughter live is run by an organization called looking glass and is funded primarily through oregon's measure 110 when voters approved measure 110 in 2020 they made oregon the scene of a novel social experiment in u.s by decriminalizing the possession of small amounts of hard drugs and funneling hundreds of millions of dollars into the substance abuse treatment The vote was celebrated as a groundbreaking step toward compassionate approach to substance use disorders, one that prioritized treatment over punishment. But nearly three years after its passage, the law has become the subject of fierce debate as Oregon, like many U.S. states, grapples with the spiraling opioid crisis. In recent months, resident business owners and uh, law enforcement agents in Oregon have all pointed to spiraling drug use. In downtowns where people openly smoke fentanyl while others lie unconscious in doorways, in small towns where mayors accustomed to homelessness are suddenly grappling with encampments. Unaccustomed to homelessness, now they have encampments all over the place, I should say. In terrifying newspaper stories about middle-class families grieving teenagers who lost their lives due to one bad pill. That's going on all over the place over here. All over the place over here. Lawmakers are now considering a number of bills that would reinstate criminal penalties such as fines and jail time for drug possession, a decision that could come any day. While advocates uh, acknowledge the measure hasn't been perfect, many fear the backlash has been driven by emotion rather than data and argue the state's new system for dealing with addiction and substance needs time to mature. What does society owe people like Schlabach who, uh, and, to, and to who? And to what extent should they be considered criminal? Now, here's what I what I want to pose to you guys. This Schlabach guy in here who has custody of his child, 
obviously the child's mother has issues and he's grateful that he's in a place that has been set up that's free, clean and safe where he can be there in sobriety with his uh, with his child. And there they are. That's not somebody that 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 doesn't seem like somebody that would be that would apply in this in this case as far as being considered a criminal, even those out there who are dope sick and need help. I still don't think that for them, for them, uh, it, it should be about harsh penalties and all that other stuff. I always wondered when I talked to my libertarian friends who want you know decriminalization and legalization across the board. I always wonder is there um, you know is there any line for those who are producing and distributing the hard stuff, like people who are in possessions of mountains of cocaine and fentanyl, where like a couple of like a, a speck of a speck of dust, like a couple of, you know, specks of it can take somebody out. And, you know, is that, you know, as far as production and distribution, is that where you can you can be hard-nosed about it? I, I'm just trying to figure out where, where this is all going wrong. Because the other reporting that we're getting out of places out of Portland, at least I, I've heard just the homeless speak in front of cameras that they're moving to places like Portland from all over the country because, as they said, they're being paid to do drugs. Now, I went and looked around. I tried to look at what the inner, um, you know, I didn't have too much time with the, the, the 20 minutes that I had to throw the show together, but I already had some notes, obviously. Measure 110, I was trying to figure out where there was, you know, cash, Cash exchanges, you know, uh, you know, no strings attached cash exchanges between people and, you know, uh, drug addicts or whatever the hell it was. How why is it that people out of the state of Oregon are going there to have their drug habits subsidized in a place where the police are not going to bother them? So, you know. They asked the question, is this a bold vision or a dystopian nightmare? And I go down here. Recent federal data shows Oregon had the steepest increase in country's overdose deaths since the pandemic started in 2020 by staggering 1,500%. Nearly 1,000 people in Oregon died from opiate overdoses in 2022. Public health officials warn the crisis shows no signs of abating. Still, there's growing debate about whether Measure 110 has galvanized these problems or mitigated them, how the law should be changed, um, and how the law should be changed accordingly. The one thing people on both sides of this debate agree on, Measure 110 has not solved the problem of drug addiction in Oregon. Some parts of the law have failed spectacularly. A hotline set up for people to call as an alternative to receiving criminal penalties meant to provide an on-ramp treatment has been widely acknowledged as ineffective. A report by Oregon Secretary of State showed that given how few people used the hotline in its first year, each call cost roughly $7,000. There's no quick fixes to the crisis we're in. I'm confident that without Measure 110, things would be far worse, which seems to just be a mentality that a lot of people are in for all things that are state mandated, if you know what I mean. Oh, can you imagine how bad it would be without the so-and-so or the this and that? Now, anybody who's in these areas, call me, 914-200-0269. If you've been in that scenario, 
If you've been in that situation, were you homeless? Were you addicted? Are you are you in recovery right now? Any perspective on this from any angle, I'm willing to look at it. Do you think that it has to be uh, even more hard, uh, hard-nosed enforcement and punishment? Do you think that we really have to truly just take our hands off the wheel and let everything go? I, I want to know where you're coming from. Here is a video I'd like to watch a few minutes of. This is from April of last year that I kept for a night like tonight. Has to do with the city of Portland and their approach to this uh, this crisis. Listen to this. Good morning from the beautiful. It's from CBNnews.com. This is Chris Rodriguez. City of Good morning from the beautiful city of. What's going on here? Six and a half minutes long. Play. Good morning from the beautiful city <laughs> okay. okay well just give me a second because that's ridiculous son of a bitch anyway call in in the meantime 914-200-0269 and if you are in the texas area you have a little little bit to say about what you're seeing out there and what people are telling you or um whatever please give me a buzz and that is 914-369-1236 where is my here we go. I got the video back right over here. Let me take a call first from... Hello? Hi, Frank. It's Nanette. I mean, Razel. Hello, Razel. So what do, you, what do you got for us tonight? Okay. So I am, like, in Lubbock, which is not too far from um, the... pan. Well, I'm kind of in the bottom of the panhandle. And... Um, you know, the news, they just keep telling you the same thing, you know, it's pretty bad. And the only thing I would want to say is a lot of people are now homeless and things like that, of course, and usually in these situations. But if anybody wants to make any kind of donation or anything, they can call Lubbock National Bank in Amarillo and, um, they can they can take a donation. That phone number is 806-378-8000. Or you can look it up on the internet. There's a bunch of uh, Lubbock National Bank locations all over the panhandle up here. Okay. But I could I could smell the fires in my house yesterday. And um, I'm at the bottom of them, but the wind was blowing so bad, um, it carried the smoke, I guess, evidently. Um, and I could smell it in, inside my house. And now, so, okay, well, then uh, thank you for the, the number. And, of course, if especially if you're, if it's, uh, it's all out there at, uh, in the West and it's going to be blowing across the state, I'm sure people are going to be smelling this even past um past texas after a little while do you any any no any um any idea how it started because i did not see that no they don't know yet but it's already going into oklahoma okay well so um yeah oklahoma's but we've been under a fire watch for oh days and days now um and that's a that's a big thing out here uh Everybody has to be careful with one little spark and stuff like that. A couple of years ago, Amarillo had it um, almost the city almost burnt down. Hmm. So you know, 
But anyway. Well, I appreciate you calling uh, in and giving us a little bit of insight on that. And I hope we got a couple more um, people from around Texas to let us know what they're seeing and smelling. Thank you for the call so much. Um, that's uh, We have a couple others coming in. Remember, the hotline for Texas, 914-369-1236. And then I guess we'll call the drug hotline, the drug line, 914-200-0269. So depending on your category, category of caller, that's how we're going to be separating it tonight and organizing this show. So there you go. 914-200-0269. That is if you have any drug decriminalization ideas. Let's take one call before we go into this this video that I just rediscovered. Uh, 458, you're on the air. What do, you, what do you have to say? Hi, this is uh, Carmen from Oregon. Hello, Carmen. So great. What are you thinking about 110 out there, and what am I missing about this? What do you think is really, you know, I'm just going to let you go first, and I have some follow-up questions. Go ahead. Okay, so um, first of all, I don't, I don't think anybody really voted for that. That tends to happen a lot in Oregon. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would do that? Uh, because basically what's happened is the same thing that's happened with the homeless thing is they just keep dumping more money into it into people who constantly make bad decisions. And most of these places are empty. All these homeless shelters that they build for them are empty because they have a no drug use policy. So they don't get used anyway. So they you, don't get so let me nobody ask, wait, wait. for anything. Yeah, let me ask you this, Carl. And, and first of all, if you can please just turn down the, the, the show in the background, that'd be wonderful. But um, you're talking about empty, empty shelters. I just read that the hotline that they send up, nobody's calling into, which means that all the money that was pumped into the hotline uh, is really just being wasted. It's crazy to think about that there's so few people calling that it really, the the cost per, you know, labor uh, is really like $7,000 a call. But what I don't understand is what created the situation where the homeless, the drug users themselves have many times over the last couple of years gotten in front of cameras and said it's great over here we are i'm from california i'm from nevada i'm from this place and the other they're traveling hundreds of miles to go to portland because they said the cops leave them alone and they're essentially paid to do drugs where does the compensation to do drugs come from if not directly then indirectly how are they working the system we we don't know i know that they're getting food stamps i know that for sure and then they have they have Places set up where these people, I mean, if you ask them, they'll be like, oh, I can wake up and do drugs. I can go get free breakfast, come back, do more drugs, go get a brunch, eh? come back, do more drugs. It's great. Yeah. Well, why why would you have to go get a job if you're getting, I don't know, six, $800 in food stamps, which they probably sell for drugs, usually do anyway. And then, and then of course, a lot of it is just like the whole the do-gooders thing one do-gooder can do more damage than a thousand thieves and they do constantly Mm. because they don't they don't get arrested for anything if if the cops here arrest anybody for anything i'm in oakridge which is a small tiny town that's probably about 45 minutes 40 minutes outside of eugene and even here i mean we have people just walk into people's houses in the middle of the day and rob them in broad daylight and then if the cops show up, they'll give the homeowner, we had a gal here who got a, a ticket, a $600 ticket for misusing 911, and the cop turned to the, 
the tweakers that were breaking into their house and gave them a $25 trespassing ticket and told those kids to scuttle on. They weren't kids, but they just scuttled them on. They knew they wouldn't pay the ticket. People are constantly, I mean, our, our liquor store here in town has been robbed a couple of times by the same guy who first showed his ID as a inmate from Nevada. And he walked here. He hitchhiked here from Nevada. And all these guys is an inmate, and he just comes in, I'm taking this. And that's that's mm. how we're living down here. Nobody's voting for this. See, that's, <laughs> Nobody a, voted for that. see, that, that's what I'm talking about. I, I understand it's one thing to acknowledge how bad things are in certain states. I know that Oregon, New York, California, we have a lot in common as far as what we're being made to live under and live with. But at the same time, I am I, I'm hesitant to go all in on the, well, that's what you voted for line. Because it's uh, what th- that that would mean that all of a sudden we're just we, we trust the elections all of a sudden, you know. I mean, it, it's very uh, it's incredible. Well, thing. You know, Oregon hasn't had a Republican in office since they went to paper ballot or to the mill in voting, right? Isn't that amazing, huh? It, it, I mean, convenient. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there there is such thing as demographic trends. They are real. You have to you have to imagine that. But as far as what we're seeing and and I really think that there's less and less involvement of the of the the people altogether. Thank you for the call tonight, and all the best to you guys over there. Thank you, Frank. All right, there you go. I want more like that, and from different perspectives. Are you in the same city, Portland, or are you in Philadelphia? Are you somewhere in New York? Anywhere that this is happening, from what side are you? A police officer? What have you seen? If you're in law enforcement, what have you seen work? What have you seen fail and the reasons why? Are you on the side of I was addicted, I was using, I was I was the beneficiary of that, or I saw how bad it was, it didn't work? Call in. It is up to you how, how good this show can be. Give me a buzz. Take a listen to this for a little bit. This is from uh, CBNnews.com. I found... It's a six-minute video, but we'll just watch a couple of minutes of it. Here you go. Good morning from the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon. These are images and video from an army of citizen journalists in Portland who have been documenting a city in decline. Public drug abuse, addicts sprawled on the sidewalks or wandering the streets, tent encampments on many street corners, and fires seen burning along the roadways. You see, this is what my libertarian anarcho-capitalist friends will tell me wouldn't happen. And uh, if this happens, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen that way. Which is why, when I look into it, I'm looking for the thing, the hook, that made this possible. That it's just gotten worse and worse, that people are actually, uh, you know, moving to these these cities. Is You know, if it was all... De- decriminalize where they just stay where they are and hide it. I want to know because uh, it, it, it's this right here on the surface of it does not bode well for the decriminalization legalization front of things and I would like to hear people on that end to say what we're missing here and what Portland did wrong to incentivize horrible behavior instead of actually because when I think about this I'm saying okay is there's there's got to be a very simple way to not treat drug addicts like criminals unless they are committing violent crimes while under the influence. If there is a violent crime, a theft, an assault, anything like that, I'm sorry, you don't get a pass because you're a drug addict. You're going to to face penalties because of that. But for the, the, the act of 
me uh, merely just being addled by addiction um that that is uh that that's something i don't i don't think that you should be destroyed over so if there's a way that a state can figure out to to give person help without ruining their lives without ruining children's lives with their prospects of getting hired or this prospects of going to a school they want to go to because of that i'm always open for that um i think there are far bigger fish to fry than the consumers who who find themselves in a horrible addiction loop um but but this there's 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 got to be a missing factor to this that it is suddenly bedlam what used to be one of america's most beautiful and livable cities is being slowly destroyed by epidemic levels of crime drug abuse homelessness and mental illness one local is called portland an open-air insane asylum we went to one of portland's many tent encampments with drug and alcohol counselor kevin dahlgren who's trying to help the city's addicts many of the tents you see here are supplied by multnomah county dahlgren believes at least some officials are okay with what's happened to the city how could they not be okay with it for as long as this has gone on right Every day we walk past these camps, we see people languishing and dying on the streets. That is not okay. Every year we say this is a state of emergency, right? But who here is treating it like in a true state of emergency? Dahlgren says activists actually put up empty tents to attract more tents. That is a common practice to erect tents to invite homeless in, uh, to be homeless, right? and that makes our job now 10 times harder. They will just erect the tents in hopes that a person will find the tent and move inside. During our time with Dahlgren, he met one homeless man who said he was given a bus ticket to Portland by the city of Billings, Montana. Portland has become a mecca for addicts and drug dealers who have migrated here from across the country to take advantage of weak drug laws. It's also attracted drug cartels. There were 11 drug overdoses on March 31st alone, and one pill of fentanyl can cost as little as $1. I feel like we've invited people to come to our city to kill themselves. A Portland photographer who goes by the street name of Michelle Ghost has been capturing the decline of the city through her lens. We're giving them the tools that they need to stay alive just long enough to end up dying on our streets. I mean, there's a little bit more over here. and We can watch them for sure. Because I, I, it's, it's really, it's compelling stuff. 405, you're on the air. Go ahead. Who's this? Oh, this is Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hi. Um, I was actually homeless and 91 in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And I can tell you that that problem was going on back then. I mean, it has es escalated and gotten a lot worse, but um, I was 17 years old living on the streets. So, so Michelle, you, either you're t you said 1990, 91? Uh, 91, 91. Okay, so obviously this is before fentanyl really showed up so we so we know that we know that this is a couple of decades before the introduction of new drugs even though you know right. crack and heroin that they're just as bad as anything else and then there's also right. uh, also we're talking about the introduction of this latest this uh this 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 proposition 110 or whatever the hell it is that has almost encouraged this kind of this kind of situation um what do you remember from 30 some odd years uh, ago 
that area of uh, that being like, you know, the the the, the way that it was enforced, drugs laws were enforced, how the streets were cleaned up, what was a no go? What, what could you get away with back then comparing to what they are saying the city is now? Uh, I'm not to say that a big city of of any any place in the United States would be rid of homeless people or uh, people who are addicted to drugs or who are mentally ill in some way or just down on their luck. But how would you say the, the, the biggest differences are from when you were working through that phase of your life and what is being um, what's being created, the conditions that are being created now in Portland? Well, I tell you, the caller that called in earlier, I think she said it perfectly when she said that do gooders can do some of the worst damage. Um, because I think the biggest difference between now and then was. The police, were, they're still the same. You didn't get in trouble for anything. You could get caught shooting up heroin in anywhere. Um, the only thing they would complain about is if you put a cigarette out on the sidewalk, you would get in trouble. Um, you know, you panhandling, they didn't care as long as you weren't bothering too many people. But the bottom line was is that it was the people that made the difference. It was the shaming, the people who shamed you, the people who would say something to you. You don't have that anymore. You don't have people going, that's wrong. What are you doing? What, you know, I mean, I was literally saved from being trafficked by an old man who, what, two cops were standing there in, in Pioneer Square watching this man trying to pit me out came over and rescued me. And you just don't have people caring anymore. I, that's what I see anyways. Wow. It, it's We need to bring shame back. We need to bring <laughs> caring back. You know, it's like everyone wants to get their phone out and videotape instead of interacting and saying, hey, that's wrong. That's wrong. Don't do that. The policies have not changed as far as I'm concerned. I mean, when I was a kid, you could, you could still go in anywhere. You could get your, your free needles and your free cleaning kits and, you know, free meals everywhere you you know i I slept on the streets twice the whole time i was there because there was always some shelter for me to go into where i could shower and shave and do all the things that i needed to do which was great and i thank god i got off the streets but it was just the people who who just kept shaming me and making me feel like i didn't want to be here it was not the ones that were loving on me telling me everything was going to be okay it was having some sort of dignity that I wanted to be better than I was. And nobody was sitting there going, it's okay that you're a piece of shit. Here, hmm. let me help you be more of a piece of shit. Man, that that really cuts to the core of it, don't it? Wow. That is... Um that, it, it, it's it's a perfect i mean it, that has to be the biggest driver here it's true i mean when you're talking about people that that are more apt to take their phone out take a picture or video something post it and then scream into the digital abyss that somebody needs to do something instead of you know exactly it, even just expressing a thought that can somehow break the 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 uh the the glacial divide between you and them and just suddenly you're you're thinking about things in a different way but you know a lot of that a lot of that has been chased out of people because civil the idea of civil rights has been so grossly perverted people people's natural inclination to want to try to help a person who is in a hard spot especially a person who just needs a little tough love that has been 
just chased from their their system because there there's consequences for them, you know. Oh, and I I think biggest thing is, is we're run by fear these days. Every everyone's afraid. I mean, even if I do something, what if something happens? I mean, we we just have to get a spine if we want this this thing called America to to, to survive. We're going to have to have a spine and just stop worrying about people's feelings. Because at the end of the day, your feelings are not going to feed you. They're not going to take care of you. Um, and, and I am so grateful for every person who rolled their eyes at me, who said some snide little remark to me. Um, it just pushed me to be a better person. And I pray God for those kind of people. Because I, to be so sensitive and weak as the people are today, we, just, we have to get a backbone. If we're going to make this thing work, well, I I, uh, I can't thank you enough for for calling in, and I hope more people like you with with stories like yours do call in. When when did you officially get yourself off the streets? Uh, in nineteen ninety two, I came back to Oklahoma, and shortly after that, I met the love of my life, and we have six kids, and we've been married for thirty years. Oh, I'm so happy! It's such a wonderful story, and I really hope you you uh, you, you stay in touch. I loved I love to learn more about you. Uh, that's a that's these are the types of things that people need to hear. And and thank you for the, the the then and now perspective as well from that particular city. That that was uh that was very valuable to me. Well, I love you, Frank. I've been a long time listener, and just thank the world of you. Well, thank you, Michelle, and all the best to you and your family. You too. All right. There you go. I loved it. I love it. Here's a couple more minutes uh, of this, and then we're going to take your calls on the other side of the intermission. And I really hope that you guys follow me over. It's just uh, a whole other hour together. We're going to watch this premiere of what John Ward just put up, film preview, behind the scenes in the studio over the weekend. You're going to want to see that, and I want to take more of your calls. Uh, Here's a little bit more from this CBN News piece. After rioting over George Floyd's death resulted in the destruction of large parts of Portland in 2020, Mayor Ted Wheeler thanked the rioters before he was hit with tear gas. Things got worse for the city when Oregon voters approved Measure 110. It decriminalized possession of small amounts of drugs, making it a health care issue and not a crime. Police officials say it's led to a huge increase in the amount of drugs on the streets, which has led to a surge in crime. It wasn't always like this. Portland, Oregon, one of the nation's most beautiful cities. The citizens of Portland attend many fine churches. It is a family town, a good place to bring up children. In Portland today, a viral video shows a man using drugs in front of a child. Just last week, a man beat someone with a golf club in front of this Portland restaurant. The nervous owners then offered the attacker hot coffee, which he dumped on the victim. 79% of businesses surveyed in Portland have been victims of vandalism or break-ins. 19% have been vandalized at least five times. Uh, our business has been vandalized over half a dozen times. We've had... I, it, it's just insane. It's just insane. And there's there's so much more. In fact, I have an email here I want to read to you about um, the whole idea of, of the drug cartels getting involved. You remember we were talking about burnout culture? We were talking about burnout culture um, 
uh, like a week ago or whatever the hell it was, and we had a caller from California saying how the weed industry, the, the cannabis industry, had dried up because of not only state regulations, you know, an overregulated industry where you're pretty much priced out of the industry, but also that the cartels are right there. They are right there. They've pretty much had their stake in the game legalized. You know, uh, the the family business has gone almost completely legitimate. I want to talk about that. I have an email here I want to throw out to all of you. You want to talk about the uh, the actions of a few altruistic few that want to make something better and they do more harm than any of the, the you know, a thousand thieves, as our, as our caller said. One do-gooder versus a thousand thieves. So all of that and more on the other side of this break. And I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy and, and, and really, really uh, resonate with new media, I encourage you to put some skin in the game and support an independent media operation like this or any one that you enjoy on the regular. So at bare minimum, please give this episode a like, a share, and comment. Ladies and gentlemen, comment on show topics in the comment section of wherever the hell you see the show. YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, doesn't matter. Commenting is incredibly important. Um, I don't know why the the Rumble's chat is such a ghost town. They say there's always nearly a thousand people watching and like three people chatting. I'm telling you, I, I don't trust any place anymore. I really don't um, as far as metrics go. That's why when people say that they meet Franklies out on the street, they meet audience members out in public, that is the only thing I pay attention to. I don't know what the hell is going on, but please comment and be involved. That would be wonderful. Also, give us a high rating and a nice review on iTunes, on Spotify especially. It's simple. It's free ways that make a lot of difference in the way that we become visible to new podcast audiences and all that and everything else is on quite frankly.tv there's the the sponsor us page for those of you who would like to become a vip supporter all monthly sponsors get universal perks that includes monthly access to sunday streams book clubs giveaways um and there's plenty of specialty tiers too like patreon and subscribes our pen pals i just sent out all of my polaroids today Oh, the Polaroids this week, this this month were good. Last month, I, t- I did a Polaroid with uh, Aurora's, you know, uh, horse. We got her a horse to stick with a horse, the stick with a horse head on it. So she's she's galloping around the living room. I made a good one with that one last week. And this week, the horse came back. <laughs> so and there's plenty of room on the Polaroids for people, new people there. But anyway, thank you so much. Remember, if you become a sponsor, especially on Subscribestar. I'm sending you stickers like a MF. All right. We'll be right back. I'll see you on quitefrankly.tv or pilled.net. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv. Just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, 
entering, quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I had a waltz of the flowers for a long time as my my alarm sounds. I went and I downloaded it, put it on my phone. That was my alarm sound. You know, it's such a beautiful composition, and I must say that it doesn't matter how beautiful it is, but if you hear it waking you up every morning for months, you begin to detest it. Anywho, thank you for being here, ladies and gentlemen, for the second half of this show. That's right. That's right. So, um, what are we going to be talking about now? We're going to be taking your calls. I am going to get um, a little bit more of your calls from around the country. We have the drug line open, 914-200-0269. If you are in the Texas area, 914-369-1236. I want to know what you're seeing, what you're smelling, what you're hearing. Um, That's all there. And let me just say... I'm already looking at uh, John Ward's... Oh, we're, we're going to have to watch this in the last 15 minutes of the show. Around 8.45, we're just going to put this on and watch it together. I have no clue. Film preview, behind the scenes, Harambe died for this. This is... I'm, I'm delightfully nervous. All right. Oh, here's a little something. Ah, oh, it's still nice. Dancing around with with Aurora, she was much much smaller at that point. Okay, I put out a little bit before we get to your super chats and quite frankly, superchat.com and the pilled, the gold pills. I put out a very important poll on Twitter yesterday. It garnered six hundred thirty six votes, and it was neck and neck for a while. The question in the poll that I posed was this. Should cross-dressing men be allowed to feed drug-induced nipple excretions to babies? The first answer was no, and answer B was also no. And no beat also no, 56 to 44. I felt it was important to get that out there. So there you have it, because they uh, they do not relent with all of this Frankenstein nonsense in the news about men who are inducing some kind of lactation to be to happen. I, yeah, I don't know. I you know this this would if this were any other 
society in a parallel parallel uh, universe, it would have been extinguished a long time ago. But that's just where we are right now, and so we mock it until we have to do something else. What's, uh, what else do I have to say? I saw Richard Lewis died. I saw Richard Lewis died. That I'll have to watch Robin Hood Men in Tights this weekend. Maybe I'll put that on the Sunday stream. That'll be the feature for the Sunday stream. Robin Hood Men in Tights. And uh, maybe I'll watch some old Curb Your Enthusiasm. I know that the 12th and final season is out right now for Curb. And it's going to like wrap up finally in April. But um, obviously, it's been a little bit hard for me to watch. You know, I sit down and I try not to let things ruin anything for me. The way the world is, the way that uh, Hollywood is, the culture there, what, what, how people see. You know, when you see somebody, you grow up seeing somebody is very smart and witty and with it. And then all of a sudden they start making statements that make you question their just general intelligence. And if their intelligence can't be questioned, then it really makes you question their motives and what people have on them. Now, growing up liking HBO, uh, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm from season one, they're such good feelings. Anybody else love Curb Your Enthusiasm? I used, I would get such good, good feelings. The music, the situations, it's always a sunny day. I, I, I love them. I, and especially the, the viewing audience I always had with uh, those Curb, those Sunday nights on HBO watching them with my mother and Skip and uh, Anthony and for a time even Lauren was around uh, in college. It's it just one of those things where Sunday nights on, on HBO was amazing. We had Curb Your Enthusiasm and Entourage and Sopranos all at the same time, all throughout high school and college, those years where you feel invincible and everything. And, of course, everything was just funnier, you know? Around that same time that Kirby Enthusiasm came out and was really something new and fresh and hilarious, you had people like Dave Chappelle doing their their uh, their uh, producing their shows on television with humor that you you can never. It's hard for him to get away with it anymore now. But it was just so cutting and awesome, and uh, even though you can tell, okay, these people are liberal, these people definitely roll in Democrat circles. Uh, they just made a, a a joke where Republicanism, Republicans, I should say Republicans, Republicanism, small r, something else. Um, but Republicans are like the butt of a joke. They're the stuffy people who are just, you know, anti-fun and anti-goodwill and all that shit. That stuff comes and goes and you can dismiss it, whatever. Uh, but it's not like now, like when, when Alexander Vindman... When Larry David cast Alexander Vindman in there, this guy's a fat fucking sausage traitor, okay? Everything he wears is like a sausage skin. He's just a bulging fucking traitor. And, to, I mean, that's just fucked, you know? Because he did so many amazing things with that that uh, that show. So I really lost a lot of interest after, it was like, I think it was the last season. The last season I watched maybe two or three episodes and then that was it. And I know that Curb has been on the last however many weeks and I haven't watched anything. Maybe I'll jump into it just to see how it is. Maybe I'll go from season one and relive all the best moments again. But um, Richard Lewis was always a big part of that. 
And then, of course, over the years, he just started looking more and more frail and sickly. And then I then I read that he had Parkinson's disease, and that's where that all went. Anyhow, uh, that happened over the week, over this, uh, actually, that was just made news today. Jay Brits just said, I'm really enjoying my Elevation Blend coffee and my new, quite frankly, mugs. Multiple mugs. Thank you, Jay. It's a beautiful thing. Keep it going. I intend to. It's the easiest thing that I can I can fill the space with. Things that I love, that I enjoy, and that I can really get behind. Things that I helped uh, create because I taste tested it into existence. <laughs> Took a long time. A lot of taste testing. Anyway, uh, thank you, Sean Joe. Uh, bang Bang just got a, a six-month bronze teal tier subscription on Foxhole, which is amazing. For six months, they'll be hanging out with us on Sundays. Make sure you keep look checking out your uh, your direct messages. That's where all of your links go for the exclusive content. Sem, thank you. Chai Possum, Witchy Poo, Porpoiseful, Jay, Misfortune, Tam Growl, thank you. Sem says, we buy raw milk from a local farm. I love visiting with the girls, and the milk is excellent. I haven't picked up a lot of raw, just whole milk. Um, I use raw creamer. I don't use milk a lot. Um, the uh, whenever Aurora you has um, has cereal, which is she doesn't have like cocoa puffs or anything like that. But whenever she does have cereal, like those kind of like um, organic organic checks mix kind of cereals and things like that, we use half and half. And for all of my whenever I have protein shakes, I use half and half as well, uh, just because it's less sugar and. Hell, you don't have to sell half and half to me. It's just creamier. I'll drink heavy cream. I don't care. It just, I love it. So, um, so there is no milk in the house, but I will guzzle. I'm the type of guy who likes to get around. I never in one place. I roam from town to town. We're enough. When I find me a jug of whole milk, I'm the kind of guy that can drink a glass of cold whole milk on a hot summer's day and have my thirst get quenched. I know that hot day and milk for some people, as long as it's cold, I love milk. I love it. I haven't had it in a long time. You know, um, I don't drink a lot of milk, but I love whole milk. Whenever it's around, oh man, I can I can throw down glasses of milk like nothing. But for my 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 shakes and stuff like that, it's uh, it's half and half. So, um, so I don't even know what raw milk tastes like because the only raw milk I get is the raw chocolate milk, the raw organic chocolate milk from, uh, Meadow Ridge farm in, in Pennsylvania. So they do a little bit more regional delivery. Whereas Amos Miller has found out, as Jay said, he found a way to make it national. So I do get raw milk, but it's all, it's the, the fun chocolate stuff. And the chocolate's organic, they say. I believe them. And there you have it. All right, Philly nine six the three six nine garden says cheers, cheers to you, Philly. Thank you, Sean Joe, Joe Elaine. What's going on, Joe? Uh, D Dalid, D Daled, great show. And JSF, Big Daddy government is instilling young and high taxes. It is instilled young. 
and high taxes breed not uh, breed not my problem. I paid to have it taken care of. Exactly. Big Daddy government. That's what it is. That's what it is. There is no community involvement. Even community involvement, what does that mean? That means whipping votes to be able to go out there and vote for taxes to be collected at higher rates so that somebody else can go out and do the one thing or another. Instead of just getting your friends together and cleaning up a park and planting a tree, installing a new flower bed, going out of your way to do one it's 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 just yeah, it's a culture. Also, NJSF, thank you so much for your gift that just came in the, the other day. I really appreciate that. And uh, Aurora absolutely loves the um, the Rosary Decade bracelet. Absolutely loves it. Thank you. Uh, Sal Lion says, excited to see what y'all did with John. Me too. Me too. Um, he, he brought a 10-page script over here. And I told them, I said, listen, for the time we have allotted today, I don't think we're going to be, we're, we're going to either have to shoot out of sequence just to get smaller things done, or this is going to take multiple times shooting. And he agreed. So we're going to be getting together a couple more times from now until October, no doubt. But um, but the 10 pages that he made, the, the quite frankly sequence of scenes, really something else. <laughs> It's really something else, and I can't wait to see what he does with it. And um, you know, we've done a lot of filming of stuff over the years, and directing and blocking and all that. So me and Anthony, we actually we helped him, uh, we helped him a lot with getting the right shots and complimentary shots and zooms and and all of that stuff. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, and we worked well together. And I I hope it continues into the future. Curious Patriot says, "Yes, I obey." Let's see here. Vader, thank you so much. And Curious Patriot and Witchy Poo ending with some cookies. Okay. 914-200-0269. Where are you from in the country? What have you seen? And also, if you are in a, uh, if you're in Texas, if you are in Texas, you can call in 914-369-1236. That's the wildfire hotline. We already had one coming in there. And then everything else with drug legalization, decriminalization. Have you lived on the streets? Do you have any kind of law enforcement perspective of what works and what doesn't? Uh, You know, what is the bugaboo in the plan out there in Portland? And also, listen to this email. Uh, Frank, listening to last night's show, this is when we were talking about burnout, and the caller from California saying how the cannabis industry has dried up because the cartel owns it. It is true in most of the nation, let me tell you. I am in uh, Punxsutawney area of Pennsylvania and have recently been clued into who's in control here. Let's see here. Uh, in control around here. A wild story from a guy who in his teens was buying from a local kingpin and who had the local cops on the hook. Feds came in, took the network down. The cops all quietly resigned. Dealers went to jail according to the crimes caught with. One guy got out and tried to straighten his life. The normal grocery stock happy, uh, uh, normal grocery stock job happy until the cartel found him. They forced him to start selling again, selling again, set him up to get busted, got him out and off with a minor slap to the wrist. Now they completely own him. 
He posts cryptic messages on Facebook, usually every few weeks due to whatever the cartel's job he's got tossed into. They often come to his house, kidnap him, cuff and pillowcase over his head, ride out to go test and sample narcotics with lab-type equipment. Crazy stories I've heard about this guy going through, and it's nothing he can get out of other than death. And that's in Pennsylvania. That's some, that's some breaking bad shit right there. So it was, it was really something else when I heard, when I heard about um, the cartel involvement in some of these so-called legit cannabis operations in these, these, uh, these recreational states. I knew from the bat that these states were going to make it impossible for people to actually do a reasonable amount of business and have competition competition where the red tape wouldn't keep all the little people out with the good ideas and the good farming practices, the mom and pop shops, the boutique cannabis experiences and all that stuff. I knew that people were still going to go back to their dealer. You know, it's uh, it's always it's always the best thing. Always the best thing. So, all right, there you have it. What else do we have here? Squatters. The squatters that set up in, in, in Beverly Hills. Squatters set up at a Hollywood Hills home when police knocked and OnlyFans model answered the door. You want to talk about homelessness and you want to talk about this stuff. My, oh my. There's so much more that we can do there. Now, I have something here from Leo Zagami that I, w- I would love to put out onto the show. Because I think it goes hand in hand. Actually, no. You know what? I'm going to put this tomorrow, too. Because I think it goes hand in hand with a little bit of the New World Order kind of stuff. The the, the Jacobin story that we're going to be talking about tomorrow. So, uh, from now, I'm going to open up the lines completely. And you call in with whatever you want. 914-200-0269. In about 10 minutes, we will watch the, the, uh, the John Ward preview. That's it. At 8.30, it's 8.22 right now. We'll, we will go on a break, come back, watch the John Ward preview, and then we'll take some calls on that if you'd like. And that's how we will end um, a pretty good show. So, ladies and gentlemen in the audience, pick up the phone and call me up. And, uh, and that's, what, uh, that's what the night is going to, going to be all about. All right. Um, and then there was okay. No, let's see if I'm saving that for tomorrow. Then I'm screwed. But here's a little bit more from the the Portland, Oregon story on Twitter, CBN News. Uh, five burglaries in our business. We've had over a hundred thousand dollars worth of impact. Walmart and Cracker Barrel are part of a wave of businesses that have fled the city. More than 2,600 downtown businesses have left. I'm very frustrated with what's going on. Tech company owner Gabe Johnson is also looking to relocate. By us continuing to keep our business in Multnomah County in the Portland city uh, limits, we are giving money to the problem. And so we're gonna move. Portland's social experiment, this progressive experiment has gone colossally bad. Jeff and Angela are Portland business owners and community reporters with PDX Real. I can't stress it enough. It has impacted everything from our banks are being broken into, ATMs are being stolen. We have people that are 
just going to work, walking in their neighborhood, being assaulted. You see, this is what I'm talking about. It's it's one thing. It's one thing to be a drug addict. It's one thing to be strung out on drugs just to be, you know, uh, constantly on the look for that next fix, to want a little bit of food, to, ju to, to not be a contributing member of society in any way, shape, or form because you're just so in the middle of your addiction and thinking about nothing but servicing and satisfying your addiction. It's another thing altogether to have ATMs getting stolen, to have all the violent crime, the break-ins, the, the uh, I, I, I mean, I, we're talking about actual crimes here that have nothing to do with the drugs. Perhaps the, perhaps the drugs are, uh, are inspiring them Fine, fine. If that's the case, uh, if you really want to make sure that you're not going to be coming down on a person for being an addict and trying to ruin their lives because they are taking one drug or another and they can't get off of it, that's totally fine. But you can't separate that from any other kind of real crimes, property crimes, crimes against you know assault, anything like that. You can't separate that. Where is where is the drop off? So you see, th there is so much more to this than just about drugs. If you're going to lay off of a person who has a chemical addiction, that's one thing. But where is the rest of the city's outlook on just normal law and order? It, it, th there is, there is a, a multitude of conversations to be had about this. That's why I wish I had some uh, law enforcement out there. But I understand in the second half, the... The pool of callers just shrinks up and um, got to do what we got to do. I am uh, wish we had a little bit more there, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll watch a little bit more. Let's take a call from 541 first. What's going on, 541? You're on the air. Hey, Frank. It's Julaine. Hey, Julaine. Doing? doing well. How are you? Good. So we live right below the Oak Ridge where the uh, caller phoned um, and was talking about the break-ins up there. And Oak Ridge is just a tiny little town. We live in a tiny town also. We're just um, south of Eugene. And the COVID uh, insanity where people couldn't get booted out, we had a guy that was living here. Luckily, he got arrested. Um, but the drugs, the drug situation is insane. And the, the sheriffs and the police have their hands tied by these, the, what was that saying where they said one do-gooder? Yeah, one do-gooder do can do more uh, more damage than a thousand thieves or something like that? Yes, it's so true. It's so true. And luckily, the little town we live in, um, we have two good sheriffs, two constitutional sheriffs that live near us, and everybody has a gun. So we're pretty much, you know, nobody's going to mess with our area. But Eugene, um, they allowed the, the, the people on the streets and the campers, and then they started clearing them out. But in Springfield, the campers were, were camping by the river, and they put and the, the locals were having nothing of it. And so they put up these cement, um, those cement guard things by the river so you couldn't camp down there. Yeah. But my friend, my friend David, 
funny enough, I met him at um, Narcotics Anonymous. And so I got clean and sober in 86. He got clean and sober in 89. He was dealing cocaine and had the feds knock down his door, gun to the back of the head, and he had a choice. Go to prison or get clean and sober. He took the clean and sober route. So when you're, when one of the callers was saying, I think it was the homeless person in, from uh, 1991, yeah. said that there's no shame. Bring back the shame. Bring back the shame. Because when I was going to meetings, I stopped going in early 2000 because the political correctness started coming into the meetings. Oh, boy. Where, Don't judge me. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We are. We go to meetings to be called out on our bad behavior, to work the steps, to work the 12 steps. And these guys that had time, they were sleeping with newcomers, and it was like, oh, no, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, bring back the shame. You because see? people, hmm. people are, are doing things because they can get away with it. And these people that are stealing in stores, you know, I grew up in, in California. I grew up in Marin, just outside of San Francisco. San Francisco is just a rat hole. Portland is a rat hole. And, and what's the common denominator? These lax laws. Oh, that was the other thing. I did read where Soros had wanted to push through the drug thing back in... I want to say it was the 90s, somewhere in there, that he wanted to put push through the the um, lacks on drugs. Mm. But they knew that that wasn't going to go over well, so they started with the marijuana and saying that it was a medicinal thing and went from there. Is that true? I wouldn't put it past him. But what? certainly this lax thing with the drugs, like I said, you know, David and I met in at Narcotics Anonymous, he doesn't listen, so I'm not blowing his cover. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, but you, you, go ahead. again, you know, I, I was going to meetings with junkies, and and you you had to be called out on your behavior, else you weren't going to stay clean. And well, you know, was, you know, Julaine, what, what you're what you're describing here, and of course, with our caller Michelle that came that came on, and she actually brought up. The idea of shame and um, and you know just it, it, you know I, I take that as just another a euphemism for tough love and not being able not somebody uh, not being surrounded by enablers who are there to to soften to soften your own uh, you know to, to to soften your ability to really rationalize what you're what you're doing what you committed to and now what you are just addicted to so that that whole uh, idea of tough love as a cultural staple paired up with the fact that there is definitely a legal culture a permissive a permissive legal culture that is in some ways just a, a lot of misguided do-gooder altruism and in other ways as you brought up george soros before we know that his sponsoring of district attorney candidates all over the country has far more reach a uh, far you know far more uh devious uh social engineering goals as far as what kind of criminality is going to be excused and what kind of chaos that is going to 
that is going to uh, brew on the streets and of course what kind of narratives that is going to support in the media so it, there, there's a lot there but of course the softening of culture the political correctness yeah absolutely and, that, and sophistry i mean it's sophistry and emotionalism is the tools that the politicians use against people that have forgotten how to use critical thinking skills and so this all sounds so nice. It sounds so nice. Yeah, it does. But just let's just extend it out to the to you know what, what's the end result? I mean, political correctness always sounded like a, a, a control uh, mechanism to me when it first came out. It was like, nah, they're going to use that to control. Let's look at the end result of what these little sophist sounding things that they're coming up with and it's always a tool for control always a tool for degrading society and 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 ted wheeler i remember when when all the riots were going on up in Petal, or petaluma <laughs> that's where I, anyway portland um he wrote a letter to trump saying oh no 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 we don't want the national guard because this is you know whatever you know sophistry he used with BLM and Antifa, and they have those uh, that uh, Chaz camp or something like that up yeah. there, where some died. That was in Seattle, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's the same thing between Portland and 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 Washington State, and you know parts of California. It, it's it, we saw the same thing over and over again. And Julian, I have to I have to uh, cut you off right here because I'm I'm up against the clock. But I okay. uh, but listen, your your call was extremely valuable uh to the to to this tonight because um i think we're finding commonality in a lot of things as, as far as what we're lacking and uh and in combination with what other factors it's becoming a a bigger problem now uh, i i'm just going to put a call out there for anybody that's watching this in rerun form listening to this in podcast form whatever it is reach out to me if you are in law enforcement uh if you have any kind of uh any kind of inside information or any kind of experience with either Portland, Oregon, or any other city around the country that has dabbled with, with, um, with initiatives and with policies like this, laws like this, um, because I want to know exactly what was the what is the poison pill? Because I am not for coming down hard on people who are just dope sick and can't get out of the the addiction hamster wheel i'm not i'm i'm not all for destroying a child's life who got caught up in drugs and and uh, and and you know really just extinguishing any kind of hope for them to get good education and good employment down the line um but of course there is people who are violent and committing violent crimes when they're high what is it what is it is it just that we have a good, well-intended? Well, okay, here's an example. Would this this rule one ten in Portland have worked better and as intended in 1991 when the culture was a lot more tough as nails and people were willing to be, you know, engage in a little tough love? when Narcotics Anonymous wasn't as uh, politically correct as Julian was talking about there. I I'm trying to figure out what key is missing from all of this stuff. Is 110 a good idea if it, was, if it was transplanted into another version of our culture? 
or is there just bad ideas that that just open the door to to disaster one way or another? I want to know about that. What about it has made Portland a junkie magnet, a crime magnet? So uh, for in the comments and in the emails, especially emails, let me know. Send it to me. I want to know what you think, especially if you're in a place to know and you have a, a really good uh, theory that you think that really fleshes out. And I'll get around to that later on in the week. All right, we're going to go on a break. When we come back, we're watching the John Ward film preview. Don't go anywhere. I've been all over town. Where's your Megadeth? Well, Sade's on sale. <sighs> Slayer? Testament? Metallica? Rod Stewart has a new album. T-shirts? Do you have any metal shirts? Hey, you're in the wrong place. Heavy Metal Unlimited has everything you want, and we know what you're talking about. We've got hundreds of import, independent, and domestic titles to choose from. Heavy Metal also has thousands of licensed concert tees in addition to picture discs, posters, and collectibles. We're easy to find on State Street Saginaw. Howdy, friend. You looking for a message board? Go to quitefrankly.tv and enter the forum. Engage with official show topic threads or start your own thread. Get signed up. It's that easy. And it's not Reddit, so don't sweat it. For the forum and so much more, it's quitefrankly.tv. Yeehaw. Sorry I'm late. That's okay, Becky. Have a seat. Oh, nuts. There's nowhere to sit. Hey, Becky. How about you sit on my face? <laughs> yeah, right there. Were you able to identify the sexual harassment in that scenario? Becky used the word nuts, which is offensive to men. Welcome to your Perpetual Health Minute, brought to you by Quite Frankly. Fake meat. We hear a lot about it. It's better for the environment. It's better for you. Well, this paper published in Nature, November 22nd, 2023, took a look at a molecule called transvexenic acid, or TVA. Now, TVA has the ability to promote T-cell function and anti-tumor immunity. Sounds like a positive. The one catch is humans can't produce TVA endogenously. So where do we get it? We get it from ruminant animals, beef, lamb, and dairy products like milk and butter. So yes, eating animal products could actually have anti-cancer and anti-tumor effects. So when it comes to human health, yet again, nature provides. If you like this video, please follow the new Perpetual Health Rumble channel. You can also find us at perpetualhealth.substack.com. But for now, thank you so much for watching. Back to the show. When I saw that sexual harassment video, I knew that that was going to be mine. So I'm taking it. Wonderful. Okay. I just got a text message from my wife, my lovely wife, Lorenzi. Her name's Lorenzi, by the way. That's her full name. Uh, it's on her gift on her gift certificate. <laughs> you know when you when you when you're born, they give you your first gift certificate. That's <laughs> oh, uh, Lauren Lorenzi says uh, it's too many 
addicts concentrated in one place, especially if they are relocating there now. If the whole country had the same laws, principles, the addicts would be spread out and maybe not running, uh, overrunning anything. That's a great point too. That's a very, that's a, that's a great point. That, that is, um, that's something to consider right there. Uh, perhaps if these people were spread out all over the place and being dealt with in their, in their respective, um, their respective cities and states, then there would be no issue. Now, the, the other thing, I guess what that would highlight then is the fact that, is the fact that when you hear the testimony of people that are in these, these, these cities and they're saying, Hey, you know, uh, I, I remember the homeless, one of those compilations. Why would I leave? You know, I came here from so-and-so and we're essentially getting paid to, to do drugs and we get food and the cops leave us alone. It's great. They loved it. They loved it. It was a drug paradise. But um, so that I, I guess that really that might be it, too, that a these cities that are trying to be a little bit more compassionate with those who are um addicted to drugs are calling everybody from across the country who has nothing really to nothing holding them back from leaving where they are and going somewhere else if if it's easier to be what you are 600 miles away then why not go there but it's also again it puts a mirror up to the face of the local culture the police culture we know we know that people aren't aren't uh, you 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 get rid of this this rule one ten in Portland, uh, the police are being hampered in the that city like in any other city around the country. Sanctuary this, sanctuary that. Um. It's just it's uh it's credit it, 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 that has to be a big thing. It's just a cultural decay on so many levels. Yeah, Lauren says that they're like an unintentional army destroying everything maybe it's just one city at a time maybe all right ladies and gentlemen let us watch this now this was just released about an hour ago on the john ward channel on youtube it's called film preview i'm gonna get myself out of the way here film preview behind the scenes harambe died for this let's see this is all taking place in the studio i'm sitting in right now Let's see what he's got. And, oh, all right, yeah. and Troy and Leon Lett and Jay Novacek and all that. There it is. Some mile out here in New York, man. I- I think that we should have full frontal nudity. I was just going to say, do you guys still have a dildo? Do you guys still have a dildo? This is escalating. Kind of move. That was me suggesting that we should have full frontal nudity in the film. What are we making here? Holy fucking shit! They have a dildo with a suction cup on it. It's hilarious. You can do so much. It's useful. What's locked? What's locked? Is this locked? Is that locked? That's fucking locked. That's what it was. Jesus. All right. Maybe I should say something like, yo, he disappeared. Yeah, he let his memes be dreams or something. He says, what if it's all Shia LaBeouf? You should say, uh, you should say, he will not divide us, bro. Then maybe you call yourself back and say, I I don't know, bro. He, he, 
he, he recently converted to Catholicism. Just to throw it in there. All right. All right, can we get quiet on the set? So it starts with me, so it's whenever... Yeah, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to like corral you guys and say, let's do this. So you're kind of, I, I know you're not like involved necessarily in setting up the Quite Frankly show normally, but if you were to pretend that you were and the three of you were here, you know. Right, you're going to be too dark. Swear as much as you want, be yourselves. Let's do the dry run. Here we go. That's when the knock comes in. Yeah, which will be added in, uh, you know. In post, as they say. If you want to add in the Jesus thing, if you say, you say it, you believe, but, but he did find Catholicism. Knock at the door. Keep rolling. Anthony's take. Is this brutal? No, no. All right. Okay. All right. Let's get a sound check here. Hey, I was on the set for the. I was on the set for the dirt for ten hours for two seconds of screen time. What, what was so. this? The dirt, the Motley Crue movie. Okay. Yeah, you so. got you to see that. But you ended up in the final cut. Well, I was I was John Karabi, the singer, the the second singer of the of the band. So it was. Uh, oh, I gotta fucking see this. It was yeah, kind of an important it. part. What? When was this? That well, it was what was it released in 2019, I think. And I went I went to to New Orleans in 2018 to film it. That was 2018. Yeah, it was it was March of 2018, and April. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. All right good. That's got, fucking cool. Yeah, some more about that. Yeah, I'm just right. fucking going. Matt, check, check. Hello. Hello. Yeah, around when I say Shia LaBeouf versus Timothy McVeigh, just just take take the joint in for a nice drag at that point, you know. And then um, Anthony says, "What if we get Shia LaBeouf?" That's when you say, "He will not divide us, bro." Army helmet with him. Um, he drank the beer out of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, where's he been? I don't know. Do me just like uh, the very, just the only part where you say right at the beginning, uh, Matt, give me a sound, but kind of like look at him. Do you want me to do the, do the whole prompt? Let's do a sound check, guys. Or just say, Matt, give me a sound check. Uh, uh, tel t telomeres? Telomeres? Stacy always talks about telomeres. How, how we have. As you age, they separate. They, they have to try and keep them connected. Exactly. That's it. Those telomeres, there's like a, like a certain amount of uh, natural maintenance that is, that is done. And they it keeps it connected. Keep them, I don't know if it's a length thing or so. Maybe I, you open the door and I have really back to you. Looks into yeah life extension. Right. You know, I think just staying active does it. And of course, nobody's figured out how to fucking cure baldness. Person, no, they have the cure for it. They well, they can prevent it. Yeah, no, they they take. You'll just start peeing blood or whatever, and, <laughs> and it'll completely it. fuck you they up for like half a year. That's my trial. Yeah, it is. I looked it up too. Go for it. Oh. <laughs> I'm laughing now. I mean, that's what happened. Still talking about the hair loss. Sure what happened to me? I looked up a side effect. Sterile 
nobody was going to take it. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It's just a side effect that can happen. It doesn't mean it will. Ever since you brought that up, every time I, I, for the last three months, every time I go to take a leak, I'm like, please let it just be urine. If I, if I ever pissed, I would, it would be like Doc Brown. I would fall and hit my head against the, the porcelain. I dreamt, I dreamt I pissed blood. Purple and... No. It was weird. It was like the, 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 the colors were weird. It was red and purple. Stop this. Stop this. Stop it all. This was a way, this would have been a way better intro to the movie. <laughs> Stop. Well, you got audio of all that, right? Use it however you want. Use it however... It, it actually might even be funny to hear how random all the clips are. <laughs> no. Line. Drugs. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just like straight and then give the look. Did yeah from the top I guess right. if you want just to. Are you willing to do one more for me? Yeah. Of course. My father's a gynecologist. <laughs> He looked at vaginas all day long. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't really like conceptualize the the sexual thirst. Can you <laughs> unplug that light and move it? Actually, just unplug the entire power strip and drag it out into that hallway. Which one was in raging oh, oh, The blonde. The blonde. She still looks great. Uh, well, that's 1990. So actually, it wasn't even 10 years since Raging Bull. So, you know, it's a long time. And now 1990 is 30 years, 34 years. Just fuck that. Ah, just that's, it's unsaying. I know. Well, you just, you just turned 40? How do you feel? I was actually, I just watched uh, Kindergarten Cop last week. Yeah. I said to hell with it, you know. I I, I was just it, I didn't feel like I was ready for bed. Put it on. Said, you know what? It's pretty good, and it's actually more for parents than it is for kids. Knock. All of my sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. Good. Stared off and went. Oh, I'm trying to think about what what direction I went in. Let's not sweat it too much. Okay. These are all things that mean you're not gonna. You should do the Michael Hearn thing. I said. <laughs> Focus gets you there. All right. Knock. All right. One more of those and knock. Good. And knock. Give me one more uh, less dramatic turn. Knock. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> camera three angle whole take and action. All right. Let's let's get a uh, let's get a, a sound check in here. Get our levels before everything gets started. Uh, Matt, check check. How you doing? Hello. Hello. That sounded nice and strong. Good job. Anthony, how you doing? Check. 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 Good. All right. Who's the guest tonight? John Ward. You remember John Ward? Who's John Ward? He came here about five years ago. Had the, the, the yellow gorilla jacket on. He drank the beer out of the uh, the Russian 
The Russian military. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember him. Sounds nice and strong. That's good there. Anthony, how you sounding? Check, check. <laughs> good Cut, hold on. Camera turned backwards. What do you mean? It literally turned around? It has like a home. This is what I was doing. Is You gotta balance this fucking thing. Tilts. Alright, one more take. Uh, go. Make some nice shots, honestly. Like, yeah. if you fucking get it to behave. Frick! You son of a bitch! Laughing, hearing it. Let's try it again. I just laugh. Just, uh, just hearing you step made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> not a fucking actor. Wait. Oh, we're not rolling? You're rolling? Everyone's wrong? Okay. okay. How are you so strong? How am I so strong? <laughs> you just quit. Give on me. You just call it a day. And right around that point, it, it could also be funny to have a quick cutaway of Deacon just cut away to the door again, the empty door that he just kind of, he, he appears into. He just comes out from the oh, side. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, after, after, so don't yeah. have him do this part. So you're alone right now. And as we're doing this, we shoot on the side. Like in the background? But in the background, he's, he, he just appears. Or, you know, just an established shot of him, and you could just cut it in. All right. I like it. Having that clap yourself. How's that look to you? We should actually take, transplant oh, the Predator for fucking Sure, yeah. That was, yeah, yeah, we're on the same page. Okay. It's the pizza. It's gonna be good, and, you, and it's really smart of John to start teasing this stuff a little bit of behind the scenes. Um, hopefully, it doesn't give away too much. Hopefully, it doesn't give away too much, but there there are elements of this that are just so fun. I'm sorry if you're on podcast land, your podcast land, you don't know exactly what was going on with those 12 minutes. But this is uh, this is breaking. It's an exclusive, and it's show related, so I wanted to put it out there. Um, anywho. We'll see. We'll see. I told I told John, listen, sizzle reels. Give people little sizzle sizzle reels over the course of the summer. Drop them in there every once in a while, maybe two minutes at a time. But keep all the behind the scenes for a master, you know, uh, bonus collection and, I don't know, bonus materials when the DVD comes out. Oh, how fun. Anyway, it's good to be excited about something. Ladies and gentlemen... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much 
wherever you are, however you're watching this, hit the like button, share it with somebody that you know, that you love, that you respect, or that you want to troll. Uh, email me with any kind of thoughts that you want to contribute to tonight's conversations. Comment under the under the video, wherever you're watching it, to, I don't know, just to, just to be engaging a little bit more. It'll be great to see you all here tomorrow night. We have a great show lined up. We're going to be jumping a little bit more into history, a little bit of French revolutionary history and the modern parallels. I love dipping into the French revolution every once in a while. Tomorrow night will be one of those nights. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you to Stostube, who just sent over a super chat. Said, in support of, quite frankly, a little monetary contribution coming your way, Frank. Thank you for a wonderful nightly show, always. I put my heart and soul into it, which is why I'm, you know, little things like, hey, guys and gals, for the time being that we're doing this, uh, you know, we're, we're doing the second half on, quite frankly, TV and Pilled. Just follow me over. It's two clicks. I'm giving you my heart. Will you give me two clicks? Um, things like that. And the love I get back is... Uh, is really really nice and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot more a lot more a lot more stuff that we just watched that's outside of the box that is that is providing something that is sorely needed uh, in this world and I'm, I'm really excited about it thank you to Ranger Billy says can a whoop fanny can a whoop fanny uh, Jay Jewel says the biggest compassion for an addict is to help them get clean and rules rules are needed very well said i am releasing the scratching over there on pill.net so you guys and gals are about to get your your pills off and that's it that's it tomorrow is another night thank you ladies and gentlemen for everything and i will see you soon let me know about everything in the comments and in the emails and and uh, seven o'clock will be here before you know it nighty night I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatter, starting with Stostube, ending with Jay Brits. And thank you, a blanket thank you to all of our wonderful gold pillars on Pill.net, Foxhole, Quite Frankly.tv. I will see you all soon. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Bye-bye.